Good morning. Good morning. For any of you who don't know me, my name is Jesse, one of the pastors here. Um, I don't know if you guys put a lot of thought into the, our band and the work that they put into our Sunday mornings, but what an amazing song to pick for this morning. They put a lot of effort into making sure that the songs that we're singing and the, the worship that we're uh, completing is just so focused on Christ and it flows with the message and all these things. So um, that was just a, a really cool song and it says, it, it just speaks so directly to what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is community and how we love each other. So let me pray for us and then let's jump into it. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us first. We thank you that we are able to follow you, to follow your commands, to love each other because you love us. Jesus, I thank you that you pour into us and that you pour your love out of us. Jesus, I pray that this morning we would allow you to change us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we are going to be continuing in our series. We've been talking about how Jesus pours into us, and as Jesus pours into us, he will pour out of us as well. We started this series with Pastor Sam telling us about the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, how Jesus told her that he was the living water. He was the well that never runs dry. It's through Jesus and his love pouring into us that we are saved, that we are made new, and Jesus fills us so full of himself that he pours out of us into others. Then the next week, Sam turned to talking about the gospel message, how we must never forget the gospel. We must wrap our lives around this gospel message. We have to constantly be reminding ourselves of the truth of it. We never move past it. The gospel message is the words of life that we have to live our lives by. He said we must become fluent in the gospel message. Then Pastor Jim turned to uh, preaching to us and telling us that we have to mortify our sin. We have to kill our sin, turning away from our idols and back to Christ. He told us that this is a constant process of confession and repentance and that this results in sanctification as Jesus works in our lives to kill our sin and fill us with his holiness. Then last week, Pastor Sam talked to us about how we vivify Jesus, which is a fancy word that just means to live in him, to abide in him. He took us through Jesus' words in John chapter 15 about how Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, how we are connected to him and his love for our life and joy. Today, we're specifically going to be focusing on the idea of community. And I want to spend some time talking about why community is so important in Jesus' plan for his people, what a biblical model of community looks like, and how we're attempting to apply that model here at Emmanuel Fellowship Church. And then finally, what a model of community looks like for you practically. I think it's important to recognize that as we talk about Jesus pouring into us and him pouring out of us, community is right at the crossing point of that. 
What I mean by that is that a community is really a mixture between the two. It's both one of the ways that Jesus uses to pour into us, and it's one of the ways that he uses to pour out of us. We've been talking at length over the past weeks about what it looks like for Christ to pour himself into us. And now we're going to talk on the flip side of that about what it means for Christ to pour out of us. And I think community is the perfect way for us to make that transition. If you remember last week, one of the practical ways that Pastor Sam talked to us about abiding in Christ and growing our belief in him was to spend time with his church, his physical representation here on earth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says that we are Jesus' priesthood. We are his representatives here on earth. And when we spend time with each other, pouring his love into each other, We get to experience the love of Jesus. What we're not going to do this morning is spend a lot of time talking about what we can gain from community. Instead, I want to talk about what we can give to community. And we're going to do that because following Jesus isn't about what we can get. It's about what we can give. The gospel message that we talk about, that we wrap our lives around, is an outward-facing message. It intrinsically turns our attention outward, away from ourselves, and to others. Sin does exactly the opposite of that. Sin tries to turn us inward, to focus on ourselves, to focus on our own desires and needs. But the gospel turns us outward, to God and to others. Sin compels us to try to serve ourselves, but the gospel compels us to serve others. We see this throughout the entire story of scripture. Even in the story of creation, we see that God creates everything. And it's this wonderful uh, experience of God creating each thing and saying that it is good until he gets to the pinnacle of creation, humankind, and he says it is not good. It's wild, this incredible story of God creating every single thing and saying it's good and then gets to us and says, oh, it's not good. And why does he say that? He says, because it's not good for man to be alone. See, God knew from the very first that we were not good by ourselves. He knew that we were meant to be in community. He was creating us to be together. We had to have other people to reflect his love and glory too. That's what he created us for. We were made in his image to love and serve others because that's who he is. Our God models for the, this for us in who he is. The Trinity is constantly focused on loving and serving one another. We see story after story of how sin tries to turn people inward, but the Truths of God turns people outward throughout scripture. We see this in Jesus' life too. He models and calls us to self-denial, to turning away from ourselves and towards others, to give up our lives. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. We see this picture of the cross, the ultimate image of self-denial, of giving up of oneself for others. This is the example that Christ calls us to. He calls us to take up our cross, to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires, to follow his example of what love really looks like, which is to give up ourselves for the good of others. When we are saved by Jesus' work on the cross, his ultimate example of giving up himself for us, we die to ourselves and are raised to live for Christ and for other people. There's no room left for individual faith. There's no room left for selfishness. No room for self at all in this wonderful new kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is fully and profoundly other-focused. This is the identity that we were created to operate in and the identity that Jesus saves us to be. The gospel message is that as Jesus' love for us pours into us, our love for him grows, and as our love for him grows, his love pours out of us. Turn with me back to John chapter 15. This is where Pastor Sam had us last week. I'm not going to try to re-preach his message, but the essential nature of it was that we should be connected to Jesus' love, that we are supposed to abide in him. We see this in verses 8 through 11. It says, My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. We see Jesus tell his disciples, and by extension us, that God the Father is glorified when his people abide in Christ, who is the vine, and that through abiding in him, through remaining in his love and keeping his commandments, that they will produce much fruit. And we see in verse 11 that we will have joy and that our joy may be complete. This is so important. I think when we talk about self-denial and about giving up of ourselves, it can be easy to be a little bit jaded or depressed about that, but that's not it at all. Jesus says that this method that he has, this way of living, is actually one of joy, of complete joy. We see that in his life. We see Jesus take joy in being able to serve, in giving up his life for others. The question that I have after reading these verses is, okay, what next? What is the fruit that he's talking about? What is the command that Jesus says will, provi- will uh, make fruit grow in our lives and thus give us joy? We see the answer is in the very next verse. Look at verse 12. It says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. 
Then in the next verse, he says, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus' command, this thing that we are supposed to do in order to bear much fruit and have great joy is to love one another, to follow Christ's example of giving up of our lives, to love one another. And then he says it so clearly in verse 13, no one has greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. And this is not just a message of uh, some difficult thing that Jesus is calling us to because he then goes and does exactly that. He models it for us. And he tells his people who he has saved to love each other just like he loves them. So that, that command of Jesus, is what we're talking about when we talk about community. Loving one another. I haven't defined the word community, and I'm not sure that I really need to, but let's do it just for this. Uh, the sake of this, it's, it's just a word that means us together. The disciples of Jesus loving one another together. Us together fulfilling God's original purpose for his creation to reflect his love and glory to one another. It's what we're talking about when we say community. It's just the church, us being together, loving one another, following Jesus' command. Which means this Christian thing can't be done alone. We have to have other people around us to love or we simply aren't following the command of Christ. Which in turn would mean that we aren't producing fruit. Which would mean that we aren't abiding in Christ. Which means that we aren't believing in him. This is all a natural outflow of salvation. As Jesus' love pours into you, it must pour out of you as well. So the question becomes, who is Jesus' love pouring out of you and into And this is where community comes into play. Jesus tells us to love one another, and he's speaking to us in the church. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at probably one of the most famous biblical examples of community. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And let me, while you're turning there, let me kind of set the context of this for us. So Jesus died and was resurrected. He spent some time with his disciples, giving them his final words, his final commands, and then he leaves, telling them that he would return. But while he's gone, he tells them that they are to be his disciples, his messengers of the gospel to the world. And he tells them that he's going to send a helper the Holy Spirit, who would come and direct and lead them as they build his kingdom, his church. And then we see the Holy Spirit does come in power. The disciples, who are afraid and in hiding, are suddenly filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they begin preaching the truth of the gospel in the streets. They they begin telling the story of who Jesus is, and thousands are saved and added to the church. And then we come to our passage, starting in verse 42. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. 
Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What an amazing story of community, of the gospel changing people's lives and them coming together to follow Jesus' command to love one another. We see the Holy Spirit comes in power, causing his people to proclaim the truth of the gospel, and it's incredibly effective, causing thousands of people to be saved and adding to the kingdom of God, starting this church. We see these people begin to group together, devoting themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to eating, to praying together. We see them selling everything they have to care for one another. They meet together daily, worshiping and eating together, praising God and enjoying each other. This is such an incredible picture of the Holy Spirit bringing a diverse group of people together in community and fellowship. I want to look at a few different things. I think there's three different things that we can see in this passage that I think will be helpful for us as we turn to trying to figure out what community should look like here at Emmanuel Fellowship Church. I want to start off by saying it's important for us to remember that this is a narrative passage, which means it's descriptive, not proscriptive. What that means is this is a story of how God was working specifically in these people's lives, and its purpose is to be an example to teach us and show us what God's good community can look like, but it's not a passage telling us exactly what Christian community always has to look like. It's descriptive. It describes. Ten years ago, or really more than that, but I don't remember the exact amount of years, when Julie, my wife, and I first came to Red Tree Church, we started coming alive to the truth of the gospel as it was being preached to us on Sunday mornings, and as we started going to a small group, and it being preached to us in this small group, and we started to experience the truth of Jesus' love pouring into us, and then we began to experience what it looked like and felt like to have his love pour out of us into others. We started to respond to this truth of Jesus's love by forming a community around us. And we quickly fell in love with what it looked like to live life in community. We had several people that we became very close to, and we spent multiple days a week with these people, having them come into our home, sharing a meal with them, reading scripture, praying together, enjoying all of these things that uh, the church in Acts chapter 2 were enjoying. Our lives begin to look very similar to this church. That's not at all to puff me up or anything like that. It's just the reality of we were a young couple with a lot of time and not a lot of commitments, and so we were able to spend this extensive amount of time with a small group of people. And it was a wonderful experience for us. However, once we began to have kids and different priorities and things, those experiences began to change naturally. The amount of people and things that we had commitments to began to grow. We simply didn't have enough relational capacity anymore to spend time with a small group of people every night of the week. 
God called people to move on, new relationships were formed, and the way that Julie and I experienced community changed. We had to find new rhythms of community as Jesus changed our family dynamics to include these little people that needed our love. And my point with this story is that our lives looked one way, community looked one way for us when our lives were in one form, but as it changed, community had to change too. And that wasn't a bad thing. One wasn't necessarily better than the other. We still had community. We just had to find it in different ways. Our community time began to look less like having three to four people in our home every day and more like us spending time with other couples, uh, us leading small groups, us pouring into young people in discipleship. It just took different forms, but we continued to have the love of Jesus pour out of us and into others. Now, all that to say, this story in Acts 2 is amazing, and it shows us some very important lessons about what community is, but we need to avoid being tempted to think that this is the only way community can look, because that's simply not what it's trying to say. So what can we take from this passage? I think there are three lessons we can learn from the way that the early church operated in community in this passage. And I'd like us to look at those three things and try to apply them to our church, to Emmanuel. So the first thing is that these were a people that were devoted. We see this passage mentioned several times that they devoted themselves. Now, devotion is a word that points to enthusiastically and lovingly committing to something. These people were not just going through the motions. Jesus' love changed their entire lives. They wrapped themselves around the gospel and they were enthusiastic to follow his commands. They devoted themselves to what he wanted them to do. They threw themselves into it fully. This wasn't a people who thought that church sounded like something interesting to do a couple of times a month. They devoted themselves to Christ and to his people. Their lives were changed. The second thing I think we see is they didn't devote themselves to gaining community. They devoted themselves to scripture, to prayer, to worship, and they devoted themselves to doing these things together. I think one of the true hallmarks that we see in scripture of gospel-driven community is that it isn't found by trying to find it. It's found by loving Jesus and following his commands together. It's found by studying scripture together, by devoting ourselves to the gospel together, by praying together, all with that word together. The third thing I think we see is that they took care of one another's needs. Jesus' command to love one another is fleshed out throughout the New Testament in these various different one another's Sometimes they are about taking care of each other's physical needs, and sometimes they're about taking care of other needs, of encouraging one another, confessing to one another, forgiving one another, teaching one another, bearing one another's burdens, and many, many, many more. All throughout the New Testament, we see these one another's and the ways that we are supposed to be loving one another. 
They're illuminating this command of Jesus. So we see these three things. that They were devoted. They were devoted to the gospel. They were devoted to spending time together following Jesus and loving one another. And they were devoted to caring for each other's needs. I would like us to think about how we can apply that here in our church, our group of people. So what does that mean for us? Well, it's pretty simple because those are pretty simple things. We want to devote ourselves to the gospel, to following Jesus. We want to be enthusiastic and joyful in loving God and loving others. We want to spend time together in studying scripture, in praying together, in worshiping Jesus together, eating together, and having fun together. We want to care for one another's needs. One of the ways that Pastor Sam talks about this is what he calls the community equation. It's something that we use here. We say that gospel community equals gospel plus safety plus time. I'm going to break that down. The gospel part should be pretty obvious by this point. The gospel is what changes our lives and we wrap our lives around Jesus and his gospel message, devoting ourselves to it, obeying his commands to love one another. The time piece means that we legitimately have to spend time together. Relationships aren't built out of a five-minute conversation on a Sunday morning. Relationships are built by spending time together, by worshiping together, by studying scripture together, by going into each other's homes and eating meals together, by having fun together. All of these things are what build a relationship. And the third element is safety. One of the hallmarks of a true, loving Christian relationship is that you feel safe there. You can trust the people that you're in relationship with. You can be who you actually are without feeling like you're going to be attacked. This is super important. We can't love one another unless we actually know each other. And it's very hard to get to know someone who's hiding who they are because they are afraid they're going to be attacked. So we need to make an active effort to be safe people. How do we do that? We make an effort to listen more than we talk. We don't go into conversations waiting for our chance to speak. We go into a conversation actually interested in what the other person has to say. We don't attack people who have a view that's different than ours. Instead, we seek to understand their opinion. Rather than jumping immediately to offering solutions to someone's problems, we offer understanding and comfort. It might seem silly to go through these things, but I can guarantee you that these are all things that break community if we aren't doing them. I have sat in one too many small groups that uh, really just turned into a, a therapy session where one person shared what was going on with their life and everybody else was so eager to jump in and share their wisdom and fix this person's life. That doesn't build community. So we see gospel plus safety plus time equals gospel-driven community. That's what we're trying to build here at Emmanuel with our small groups, our gospel community groups. 
Now, I have to warn you, these community groups aren't some special way for you to sign up for something and have community handed to you on a platter. That's not how it works. They are simply a place where you can gather together with a small group of people and practice the love of Jesus and have community be built from that. It takes hard work. It takes us being vulnerable. It takes us being people who are willing to spend time together, who are willing to be safe, who are willing to listen. All of these things that we just talked about, these are what build community. It's unfortunately not as simple as us just saying, here, here's community. We have to work at it. But these can be a great place to do those things. Now, you can have community outside of our small groups. Of course you can. But we have created these things to be a good place to make it easier for you to practice community and find it. I think we all know that our culture is based around this individualism, this idea that each of us should be seeking our own good. We all know the temptation that that culture is built on. The temptation to do the same routine every day. To seek our own good. It's a routine that never interacts with anyone else in a real, intimate, loving way. It's a routine that focuses around work or hobbies or rest or pleasure or whatever it is that seeks to capture our time and draw our attention inwards instead of outwards. These things aren't a bad thing. We all have to work. In fact, God calls us to work. We all should have hobbies, things that allow us to practice our talents and be creative because that's who our Savior, who is creative, made us to be. We all should be finding rhythms of rest. But our culture, and specifically our sin, want to turn you inward, to focus on those things to the exclusion of other people, to focus on yourself instead of other people. Jesus calls us to something different. He calls us to sacrifice ourselves, to give up our own time and resources in the love and service of others. He calls us to seek the betterment of others, to seek to build up your church and your group through love, time, and safety, to be in a place where we are loving and serving other people. That can look like plugging into one of our gospel communities and seeking to love Jesus with other believers. It can look like a small group that focuses on the gospel message of Jesus Christ, spending time together in worship, in prayer, in mission, in eating together, in having fun together, and seeking to make that group a place of safety, honesty, and intimacy. It can look like other things as well. We should be serving one another in other ways. Our church has ministries where we need people's help to be serving each other. We should be serving one another through gifts, through meals, through care, through all these different avenues, through friendships that have just built up over time. All of these things are important. But if you are seeking to plug into Emmanuel Fellowship Church more fully, our gospel communities are what we offer. If you want this place to be your home, we're asking that you take this message to heart and consider actually plugging into one of these groups. Now, I say that our groups are wrapping up for the summer, but in a couple of months, 
we're going to be putting out signups for these groups again. And I would encourage you to really consider committing to one. I don't mean signing up for one and attending once a month. I mean consider actually plugging into this group of people. Making a commitment of your time and your resources and your energy to put these people first, to make them a priority. Chris, you can go ahead and come on up. We're going to wrap up. This sermon isn't just a plug for our gospel communities, although it is that somewhat. I really think it's worth each of us considering how we're actually acting on Jesus' call on our lives. Is your life self-centered or other-centered? Is our faith about us or is it about Jesus and his people? What is our time and resources being spent on? Is it taking care of our own needs or other people's needs? I know it's easy for a pastor to stand up and say these kind of things, and it's easy to nod and then walk away and forget about it. But I would really encourage you to spend some time thinking about this. Jesus' call on our lives is hard. It's not one we should take lightly. It requires us to consider how we're spending our time, how we're spending our resources, what our priorities are. are. And if you're anything like me, as we consider these things, there's probably a voice in the back of your mind saying, but if I spend my time focused on caring for other people, then who's going to take care of me? That's a real question. And it's not one that we need to hide away from. Each of us has real needs. And while most of us have been taught by our culture that our life's purpose is to focus on our needs, the beauty of the kingdom of God is that you don't have to do that because Jesus is focused on your needs. This upside-down, backwards kingdom is so incredible because while our sin may want us to focus inwards, Jesus teaches that if we focus outwards on meeting other people's needs, that he will care for us, that his people will care for us. This requires trust and belief in Jesus, that he actually loves us, that he actually cares for us, that he actually wants to meet our needs. It's a tough thing to trust someone that much. But I'm here to tell you, he does. He does actually love you. He does actually care for you that much. He does want to meet your needs. And his care and his love and his ability to meet your needs is so much better than anything you could possibly do on your own behalf. He is truly good and loving. And he promises that his way will bring you true and complete joy. If we focus our attention outward on Jesus and on other people, and we join ourselves in as a church, then we will be meeting each other's needs. Jesus has structured it that way. So I'm asking you to take some time this morning and consider 
Consider if you're actually following Jesus' command to be other-focused, to give up yourself to love others. I'm asking you to consider if your life is inward-focused or outward-focused. If the truth of the gospel has actually been working and changing your life to the point where you want to love God and love others, you want to sacrifice yourself for other people. So let's spend some time thinking and considering that.